0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up on a Monday morning Labor Day. Anthony, everyone else is off today, but you and I we're grinders, so we're here and we're yeah. just gonna push through this thing, man. Two out of three Phillies lose over the weekend to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't know about you. I mean, we texted a little bit back and forth over the weekend, and uh listen, I was busy. It was a holiday weekend. We had my my daughter's second birthday party on Saturday. Uh game was on Peacock yesterday. It was kind of like in and out. I, I didn't like live and breathe it this past weekend. Uh, but I, I think my sense coming away from it is this. It's like, and I, I know I tweeted this out after the game. You know, baseball, things are never quite as bad as they seem. Things aren't as good as they seem. And so for me, I didn't love what I saw this weekend. But I, I just don't know if I'm tired or if it's a lack of energy or enthusiasm or what. But I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. We move forward. Where are you at right
1: now? Yeah, well, I watched uh, every pitch of all 27 innings this past weekend in Milwaukee. Um, And even though they lost two out of three, I I actually kind of came away feeling okay about this. Feeling a little bit better than maybe I thought. Um, And there are things that were certainly um, concerning, especially Aaron Nola's start on Saturday, and we'll get into that. But I felt like there were some things that really stood out to me that were I, I had concerns about and they kind of just came together and said, OK, I, I think that my concerns are starting to be a little bit less or have gone away entirely. And I'll tell you what those two things specifically uh, and we can we can break them down eventually, you know, get, get some conversation on it. But the two things specifically, one, they continue to hit against good pitching, and two, I am a little bit more confident in the bullpen. Even though it wasn't the greatest weekend for the bullpen, there were a couple of things about this weekend with the bullpen that made me go, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. So that all that being said, losing two out of three, they were an, uh, an Alec Bohm. Fielding error away from winning two out of three. I think that's about as good of a two out of three loss as you could possibly have had against a red-hot Milwaukee Brewers team.
0: Yeah, like I look at it, Milwaukee's coming into the series, they're playing pretty good baseball. They stumbled a little bit uh, against the Cubs last week, but Cubs have been playing pretty well too. Uh, Tight games, low-scoring games. And I kind of said it on Fridays. like, I think the Phillies are probably going to lose two out of three in this series. So when you have an expectation, like – you, you want to see the Phillies continue the momentum that they build on that homestand. But, like, it's baseball. You're not going to win every series. And I think when you take that macro view and you say, ball came off the bat Friday night in the eighth inning at 85 miles an hour. It had a, a hit expectancy of, like, 230, right? And now, boom, doesn't make a play. And you, you said it. You, you win the series if that play gets made. And there are, as you, you kind of go through the details, some things that you don't love. Like, I don't feel great about the bullpen right now. I, I, don't, I don't feel like any one of those guys is truly in that rhythm. We've seen some encouraging things from Sir Anthony Dominguez here the past couple of days. But, they're, they're, you know, you're still kind of holding your breath a little bit. Kimbrell good in the ninth yesterday. Like, there's, there's some positives. But I don't think that any one of those guys is picking up the baseball right now and you say, like, he's absolutely going to do his job. And they've got time to kind of get their footing and establish that moving forward. The, the problem that I have, and you said we're going to talk about it, and of course we're going to talk about it, is Aaron Nola on Saturday night. I, I hated everything about this start. And mm-hmm. I've, I've tried to be really fair with him this year. I In the past, I think I've probably and, – and I always say this, right? I'm always like, oh, you know, I, I've always been a little bit hard on him. T- to be honest with you, I think people have gotten carried away this season with the way that they talk about Aaron Nola just being this, like, useless – bum of a pitcher who's never going to be good again like we don't know that has he struggled this year he he has there's no question about it and does that really bring into question what you do with him beyond this season given the contract situation absolutely that's all fair game but i was so encouraged but i by what i saw over those those last two starts in august i was like okay maybe he's finally turning the corner here and then saturday night Horrible loss on Friday. You come out, you get the Schwarber lead-off homer again. They're up two nothing. You feel like this is this is such a typical Phillies response to come right back and show the balls after a terrible loss, and then he wilts. And, and I don't think that that word is unfair. Like he wilted. He had no command. His velocity was down. He knew he was beat. He looked absolutely defensive. On the mound Saturday night And it's almost like To me Any positive momentum that was made In those two prior starts Was completely eliminated Because I'm right back to where I was Three weeks ago Which is, I just don't know what this guy's going to give me Anytime he picks up the baseball And considering the bar is like Trying to win a World Series I don't feel great about that in the playoffs Is that unfair?
1: No not at all. Um I think that the, you know, the Phillies are going to have to really consider in October uh, a plan that incorporates a quicker hook for Aaron Nola than you would normally have. Um there's no doubt in my mind he's still starting game 2 um regardless of what happened on Saturday night. But this is now, what, five of his last seven starts where he has not even gone six innings. And the one thing that you could always count on, Nola, for was that length, going six or seven innings in almost every start. And even if it wasn't a great start, if he was going six or seven innings, he was probably limiting the other team to four runs, you know, even in a, in a not great start. And so you sit there and go, okay, that's not good enough, but it's also not killing us. But if you can't go six or seven innings and you're giving up four or five runs, or as it was Saturday, now you give up seven, then then you sur- then your, your purpose in the, in the rotation isn't nearly as valuable. And so the Phillies probably have to think of think of it as we have to have a guy, whether it's Lorenzen or Sanchez or, or Walker or whoever they decide that they're going to use as their piggybacks in the uh, in the postseason ready to roll early in an Aaron Nola start. And it's 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 crazy to think that, but that's really where the Phillies might have to be. Now, that doesn't preclude the fact that Aaron Nola might give you good Aaron Nola, and then you don't have to worry about it and say, great, perfect, this is exactly what we would hope for out of this guy. But whereas in the past, you probably try to let him fight his way through a, a, a bad inning or struggling, struggling through an inning, you say, okay, he'll get it, he'll figure it out maybe now you don't now he has that inning like he had in the second inning and it starts to get away from him and you're like all right that's it move move to the next guy and I think that's probably what the Phillies have to look at for October as a possibility great point and it's something I had
0: uh written down here it's it's this idea of okay so the Phillies by volume have a surplus of starting pitchers I don't know that you feel great about any one of them but in a way, is that the is that almost like a hidden strength? Because we keep talking about who's the game two starter, who's the game three starter. There's a world where you may need all of these guys. I mean, if Aaron yeah. goes out and you know, okay, it's the third inning and he's leaking oil, you have not earned the right to to face that extra batter to try to work yourself out of this jam. Like we've got to pull the cord and go to the next guy and and maybe that is the way that this thing is setting up you know and it's something that I've, I've mentioned multiple times here over the past few weeks I just you know it's about the standings it's about keeping pace staying ahead of the Cubs and you know look Chicago goes to, to Cincinnati and they split a four-game series the Phillies were sort of fortunate in a way that since we last talked they didn't lose any ground I mean both the Cubs and the Phillies lost two out of three beginning on Friday. So they didn't lose any additional ground. They still have that two and a half game lead over the Cubs for the top wildcard spot. It's, it's about the standings. It's about the magic numbers and counting down the days, but we're also trying to learn things about this team that maybe we didn't previously know, or we're trying to reaffirm things that we've already suspected. And this weekend, I didn't really get anything new other than maybe a little bit of a change on how I feel about Aaron Nola. Like, the bullpen still looks to me like it's finding its way. There's some good, there's some bad. You see the resilience. Again, like I I almost feel like so um, – it almost feels like corny to talk about it. But like you you saw this team in basically all three games this weekend. You know, Friday night, they come back. They get the huge home run by Turner. Like a, what a moment. They, they just are never out of it. And you're like this, this team has like a special feel. And then the game gets wrecked in the eighth by Alvarado and boom – not great. But then Saturday, they come back, like right out the shoot, boom, they hit you in the mouth. Like, we're, we're on to the next one. Then Nola sort of implodes. They're out of the game. They make the late surge late, right? Like,
1: and had a chance to tie the game in the, yeah, in the, in the ninth right, inning. Yeah.
0: And you're like, damn, <laughs> these guys are never out of it. And then yesterday, you're getting no hit for five innings against, you know, Wade Miley, who's having an okay year for them. But come on. Yeah. And you're like, they're going to get swept. And Lo and behold, they, they come back past with the RBI double the back-to-back home runs in the seventh inning and the bullpen does the job. Like this is a tough team. This is a resilient team. And we know that, but that's nothing new. So that's why I think for me losing two out of three, not a big deal. It's not a huge deal in the standings. This was one of the few hard series that they had in September, whatever, in a way like they're treading water. And if you have the lead, then cool. But the the Nola thing is is a huge concern for me. And it's just impossible to uh objectively look at this thing and, and come out of it and say, like, well, wow, I feel great about that right now. Well
1: I'll tell you something that's that's no one's even mentioned yet, Bob. And I think it's kind of uh important to point out. Just to kind of give you a sense of where the Phillies are with Aaron Nola. And they won't say it, you know. I mean, you even heard Thompson trying to blow smoke by saying that he didn't think Nola was as bad as, as his outing was. And, you know, even uh, credit to Nola, he's came out and said, I stink. Uh, you know, in that game, I, I was terrible, but look at, look at how they have the rotation set up. So Aaron Nola's next start is against Miami at home next weekend. He's not scheduled to start against the Braves in a four game series. Then he pitches in St. Louis, not scheduled to start in Atlanta. Against the Braves in a three-game series, so you're going to go seven games against the Atlanta Braves, and Aaron Nola won't start any of them.
0: What What do you think about that? Like, so there's the so what, idea. What does of, that tell you? Well, what does it tell you? Does it tell you that it's the luck of the draw? Does it tell you that they uh, want to put him in a position to be successful where he? Um, maybe builds that confidence back up. We've seen this before, by the way, where Aaron Nola has like missed series of of great significance against better teams, and it's like, oh look, like we went through this a couple weeks ago. Remember when he had those four straight starts, and I was like, man, like not only has he been bad, but like look at the competition that he's been bad against. He's uh, if you go back and look, I mean, a lot of these starts, his blow up starts, have come against really bad offenses. So, do you think that they did this by design, where they're like, listen, we we need to we need to just get this guy away from elite, elite offenses. Like, well, what do you mean?
1: It's weird because he's better against the good offenses than he is against the bad offenses. It's, it's like, if you look at, the, I put that in my story the other day, yeah. he actually has better numbers against the top 10 offenses in baseball yeah. than he does against the bottom 20. So yeah. it's, it's it's wild. Um, there is the one caveat though. And, and I, I'm saying that this is just going to be, um, This is just going to be how it's setting up because Thompson has said that they're going to stick to a six man rotation with the off days. So Thursday being an off day and next Thursday being an off day, they could, if they wanted to reconfigure how the rotation goes so that he does pitch both those series. If you stick to the six-man rotation, he is scheduled to pitch Saturday against Miami and then Friday the fifteenth against St. Louis. But with the off days, he technically could pitch Friday against Miami, which would get him into the could get him into the Atlanta series, and then he would be lined up to pitch against Atlanta again in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm, I want to put that caveat out there that if they don't stick to the six-game plan or six-pitcher plan. Um, that he could end up pitching in those series. But Thompson has said that that was the idea, especially because of the doubleheader. So so we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, it does say something to me. If he doesn't pitch against the Braves in either series, it says something to me that they're going to make his final four starts of the year be Miami, St. Louis, Mets, and Pittsburgh. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and not pitching either of the Braves games. That does say a little bit of something to me.
0: So uh, one of the stars of the show yesterday that sort of helped them salvage uh this this series to some degree was JT Real Muto and his performance over the weekend just further accentuates one of the most bizarre splits that I've I've seen from a baseball player at least in a Phillies uniform in quite some time and it's something that we've alluded to a little bit on this show something that other people have talked about as well but over the weekend three games JT Real Muto goes four for nine reaches base in six out of 11 played appearances and it's it's so weird. When you look now at his season and where he's at, um, there's just been this sense all year about how bad JT realmuto has been and how he's killing them. And if he were himself, this offense would be in an entirely different category. Like, it wouldn't just be this top 10-ish type offense, but all of a sudden, now yeah, you're talking about a top 5-6 offense uh, you look at the numbers, and, and a lot's been made about the home road splits, and I guess we can start there, but I, I just want to throw this out there first. 224 plate appearances at Citizens Bank Park this season. Real is Mot- uh, hitting 201 with a 601 OPS. He's homering once every 44.8 plate appearances. 237 plate appearances on the road, 308, 963 OPS, homering once every 19.8 plate appearances. I have more, but we'll start here. He has, over the last month or so, turned it on. He's hovering around 300. OPS is in like the mid-800s. He's sort of doing exactly what he did last year. It just doesn't seem like it. That's the thing. Like He got hot when Bryce Harper got hurt last year and then was the team's MVP. His numbers have been like really good here post-All-Star break, and yet it feels like he's a killer. And not a good way in the middle of this lineup right now. Yeah, what's your initial sense of this?
1: It's it's just it's so weird, Bob. First of all, both of his home runs this weekend were some two of the best home runs I've seen this year by anybody. He crushed. He hit the scoreboard in center field twice. I mean, at four hundred and (laughs) forty three feet yesterday, one (laughs) hundred and seven point nine
0: miles per hour off the bat the uh, and the, was, and the one
1: missed. on and the one and the one on Saturday was didn't go as far. It was five I think five feet shorter, but it was I think like 110 off the it was like some ridiculous number off the bat. Anyway, what, the reason why it feels like he's not doing what he, doing what you've outlined is because they've been home the entire month of August where he doesn't hit if they if there was more of a spread, Right. If there is more of a spread of these road games, which is weird and I don't understand it. I mean, the only thing I could I could say is just maybe he's not seeing the ball as well off of the batter's eye in Citizens Bank Park as he does in other stadiums. Maybe it's just not a good, you know, eyeball thing for him. I, I, I have no other way to I mean, how else do you answer that? Like I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is you're right. The guy actually has been better than we think offensively over the course of the second half of the season so far and if that continues and he could just if he could just step up his home game just a hair I mean he doesn't have to be 302 at home but if he could be 250 240 250 at home I think he'll be fine I think he'll be really really good I just don't understand
0: why that's the case yeah, it's crazy. I mean, really, if you if you look at his numbers historically like at Citizens Bank Park, even with this year factored in, he's hit 272 in Philly with an 826 OPS, like, and so yeah. before this season, you figure he was probably in the 280s or so, somewhere in that neighborhood, and, right, like, it's it's not like he's never hit at home, it's not like he's never had success at Citizens Bank Park, but this year, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the, uh, the way that the ivy's sitting out there, or the way that the red on the brick is out in center field, the batter's out. like, I have no idea what's going on, but... He just hasn't been able to figure it out, but it, it gets even more bizarre when you look at how he relates to other guys in this lineup. Like we all keep thinking like, oh man, JT Romuto is just sinking them. Listen to this. He has a 785 OPS right now. That's better than Alec Bohm. It's better than Nick Castellanos. It's better than Bryson Stott. When you look at Philly's position players in terms of war, which I know is a little bit of a flawed metric, but only Bryson Stott has more war accumulation than, than JT real Muto this year. Like in some ways, like he's been one of their best players and we just look at him and say, Jesus, like, and, and, and I'll tell you why, what it really comes down to. Yes. It's the home road stuff. And yes, they've been at home a ton lately and he isn't produced at home. But to me, like you dig a little bit deeper and I put this in my newsletter today, right? October Philly backslash subscribe. Right. I put this in the, in the newsletter he is hitting two Oh six in 107 plate appearances with, with uh, plate appearances with runners in scoring position this season, two Oh six. He has not hit one home run with runners in scoring position. He's hit 17 home runs this year with either nobody on base or a runner on first, not one with runners in scoring position. He has come up in a lot of big spots and he has not produced. It hasn't been about the overall high level numbers. It's been about situations And he has not had a lot of big moments this year, and he has not come through in a lot of big at-bats. And I think that is why we or most people feel the way they do about JT Real Muto's season right now.
1: Is it possible that he's got – and I say this with love about our good friend – that he's got Russ Joy syndrome? I can't wait to see where you go with this. He's got four kids under five at home. And that's not saying that. I mean, that's a tough thing to deal with. I'm not just trying to sit here and make light of it. I mean, this is what I'm clipping to social media today. I'm going to do a (laughs) Kyle
0: Pagan on you and just take the the weirdest, most awkward thing that you say on the show and then blast it all over.
1: Twitter. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, when you're home and you have. Look, I had three kids. They weren't all within five years. So so. It's not nearly as, as crazy as what Russ goes up through and, and with JT's and his wife, uh, Alexis, has to be going through. I mean, four kids under the age of five. Bob, you have two and you know what it's like, right? I mean, I'm not trying to sit there and say that, that they're driving him crazy, but maybe he's not getting the sleep that he gets when he's on the road. And yeah. he, he's more awake and alert. I'm trying to come up with a rational explanation as to why a guy is so good in one place and so not good in somewhere else. So I'm afforded the opportunity to work from home. It's great.
0: My wife gave birth to our second child uh, back at the end of March on opening day, actually, Phillies Rangers. And uh, I've been very fortunate to be in the house with them all spring, all summer. Um, Anytime she needs a hand, I can just run upstairs real quick and then come back to the computer. Um, I get to see them all the time. It's great. It's a blessing. But this week, we're having this bizarre end-of-summer heat wave here where we're going to go 95, 95, 95, 96. Yep. So the in-laws have a place down between Cape May and Wildwood, and she's taking the the kids this week down the shore because we can't do four days in a row in the house. I mean, it just won't work. And this is a real busy work week for me. Football's coming back, sports betting, marketing, all that stuff. I'm probably going to have my best week of work here just, just because they'll be at the shorter, so that kind of ties back to what you're talking about with JT Romuto. And by the way, I'm going to miss them. I'm not thrilled about it, but right. in terms of,
1: of work production, it, it's probably going to be a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I, look, we we always forget, and I and and I, every once in a while, I do like to remind people that these athletes are humans like us who have lives like us. And who deal with some of the same crap that we deal with, even though they're multimillionaires? Okay, <laughs> they just do. And and sometimes home life is is fantastic. It's awesome. And you know, I'm not trying to sit there and try and say that that it's not a good environment for him. But you know, when you're a dad and you got four little kids, you, you can't leave, and you're home, you can't leave your wife to deal with that all the time. I mean, that's insanity. So he's, he's probably a good dad. Wants to be involved. Wants to be there with the kids. Hey, that's that can take its toll. That's not a that's not a a joke. I'm not trying to make light of it. It absolutely can take its toll. I'm, I'm not, not saying it's the reason. I'm smiling
0: because I find it to be incredibly relatable. It's like yeah. I'm- I'm a 206 hitter, but I did sleep at a Holiday Inn last night, so <laughs> that's here I come, you know? It's a new marketing awesome. campaign. That could hey. be some synergy there between Major League Baseball and, and uh, the hospitality industry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah, that's all. I'm just trying to come uh, – again, I'm trying to come up with a reason because it doesn't make se- – it, it, it just doesn't make sense otherwise. But eh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think the other
0: story, and I know Matt Gelber wrote a story uh, on the Athletic uh, with ads uh, about it. Um,
1: I love I know, love that we say that all the time uh, it's with great.
0: ads. It's my favorite. Um, <laughs> he wrote about Alec Boehm, You know, obviously makes a terrible error on Friday night. It's just a play that he has to make. It's a play that, to his credit, he's made pretty much. Uh, all the time this season And it's a play he's going to have to make again And it came at a, a horrible, horrible time Where it cost him a game Three-run score They, they had a, what would have been a great win Turned into a horrible loss um, And you worried in the past About what that might mean for Alec Boehm Moving forward uh, We've seen him wear uh, his failures We've seen things kind of snowball against him uh, and, and sort of spiral to a degree And I wondered like you, you see him make the play or not make the play On Friday night and he just looked beside himself like you saw the body language he, he like the hands on his head he couldn't he couldn't believe it and there was part of me that's like well this is going to be interesting now because when things are going well it, it's it's kind of easier to keep them moving in that positive direction but given how how much has been made about his past struggles and his turnaround i did wonder like are are we going to see this now roll into Saturday, roll into the next 10 games. So I thought it was encouraging that he had a hit on Saturday night. Obviously the massive home run ties the game yesterday. And it sort of just looks like he was able to brush it off and, and and move on past it. And I I don't know. I I don't know if you look at that and say, yeah, you can really learn something about him this quickly. Like we know for sure that he's not carrying it with him, but it sure looks like it. And and for me, that's a big deal because he hasn't been as productive offensively lately. Uh, he, he went through it a little bit. Um, and then then you throw in that error in such a terrible spot. What do you think? I mean, like, what do you see from him? Like, do you really think that this is a player that has sort of turned the corner? And, and I'll just give you one more here to set you up a little bit. But you look at his numbers, and one thing we've always asked is, you know, hey, he's a corner infielder, and he just hasn't hit for enough power. He's probably going to hit 20 home runs. I know he's not a kid, but like, you know, is it possible that he's evolving and trending towards a potential 25, 30 home run type guy that can hit 280 plus and drive in 100 runs and kind of be the guy the Phillies thought they were getting when they drafted him third overall? Like, is there a little bit more meat on the bone with this guy?
1: Yeah, there's a lot here, Bob. So I'll I'll answer it this way. I'll say two things one i think he's a he's a maturing player and maybe has you know matured uh emotionally um beyond where he was in the past like th- there was a time when that error would have eaten him up and it-, it would have bugged him for a while right so the fact that he does come out and right away and get a hit on saturday get the home run yesterday like it, you know that shows a, a maturity that that has come about with you know experience over the last few years. Um, it also speaks volumes of that clubhouse that they don't let a mistake or an error or a base running gaff or anything get them right. I mean, like when when things were blowing up Saturday night, you know the, the Brewers take a seven to two lead, and then this didn't result in a run, but then there was that pop up right, to left field that Turner and Schwarber probably should have been Turner's ball, but neither of them were calling each other off, and it lands and it falls in for a bloop double, right? <laughs> um it, When that happens, like, you can just like, all right, yeah, this it's just not our night. Game's going to go away. And yet they come, all right, no worries. We'll go out there and we'll keep trying to come back. And then you get Turner at the plate with – Runners at second and third and two outs in the ninth inning to tie the game with a single. Like, I mean, like that is how that's what I mean by that. So that so that says a lot about every player in that locker room and 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 how Bohm has kind of matured into the person that he is within that uh that culture. But do I think he can be the, what you just asked, a 25-30 home run guy? I've always felt 25 was kind of where he was gonna be. But it was interesting. Kyle Schwarber last week, we were talking about. Alec Bohm, and he said, I-, I think he could get to 30, 35. Like, he thinks within the next couple of years, he could be that kind of power hitter. And it, a little, I was a little taken aback by it. I'm like, all right, can I see a season maybe where he gets to 30? Maybe two seasons. Like, I don't see it as a consistent thing. But then I think about it. Could he get there maybe first? Se- well, yeah, he's going to, like you said, he's probably going to hit 20 this year. So, can I see a season where he, he gets a little on a hot streak and hits 30. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be consistently a 30 home run guy. But I do think he's going to be a consistent 280 hitter and a consistent, it, it, as long as he's on a good offense like this, a consistent RBI guy who can be in that 100 RBI neighborhood each season. So that if that's what you're going to give me, if you're going to tell me Alec Bohm is 280, 20, 100 season after season, I'll sign up for it. I'll take it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, he already has a career
0: high in doubles. He's probably going to finish in the low 30s. He already has a career high in home runs. He's got 16. He's on pace for 19. Not absurd to think that he he finishes with 20-plus there. He's already got a career high in runs batted in. He's on pace for 99. He may eclipse 100. He has a career best walk rate, uh, a career low strikeout rate. I, that's where I start to look at it. And I say, it's not just the counting stats, which are certainly very important, but then you start to look at some of these, these deeper numbers where like, he's a little bit more selective. He's, he's swinging at better pitches. He's walking. Like, I just wonder, like, is this a guy who, especially when you consider the, I want to be careful how I say this, but like, he really went through it mentally, right? Like that was the story of the 2022 season. Is a player that was uh, the, the runner-up in National League Rookie of the Year, then he's demoted, and then he went through hell last year. Like there's been a lot of turbulence in terms of, I think, probably his mindset of like, can I do this at the level that I'm capable of? And now that he's sort of gotten his footing and you see these numbers starting to creep up, like that's where I wonder about the ceiling with him because it is all trending in a positive direction where if you said, What's Alec Bohm like in 2024? Is there some scenario where he's uh, hitting in the 280s, the OPS probably sitting somewhere around 800, he hits 25 home runs, he hits 30, 35 doubles, and plays functional defense at two corner infield spots for you? Like That's a pretty valuable player. Uh, and, and I do wonder if there's a little bit more of a jump. I, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I'll tell you what the most impressive thing about him is, and this is why. I think that there's going to be even a little bit more growth in his game. You ever see, I shouldn't say ever, but have you in recent years seen a player who, when they swing, they rarely foul the ball? (laughs) It's like when he swings and makes contact, he's putting it in play. The guy is never fouling pitches off. Like he's just, he uses the whole field and he puts the ball in play all the time. I, I guarantee, and I don't know if there's a way of tracking this, if if this is within baseball savant or stat cast or anything. I guarantee you he fouls off amongst the fewest pitches in the sport. And considering his strikeout rate is low, that tells you a little bit of something. And it tells me that he's he's got a really nice approach at the plate and that he's he studies the pitchers, he knows what's coming his way, like you said, his walk rate is going up. He's he's had a lot of statistical trends going in the right direction, and I think that that's why that there's still more room for him. I really not do. Bad I don't think, value for yeah. seven hundred and
0: eighty-four thousand dollars this season. He's not I a know, free right? agent until after the twenty twenty-six season, which I don't like to talk about. Future things when you're in the middle of a season But, I mean, how many times can we talk about The, the jam-packed National League wildcard race So let me just throw this one out to you While we're on the subject of Alec Boehm, Yeah. Because I think it's something that we will talk about When this thing is done at the end of the year Phillies, I think, can go one of two ways or well, one of three ways They don't have to do anything They can just let this roll into next year And, you know, they got a lot of high-priced guys And Alec Boom can just come back Like they are it's just an arbitration year. They figure it out and, and you move forward. But I almost wonder, given what he is and some of the upside that he still has, like, do you go the Atlanta Braves route here and say, let's get this guy locked up now. Like, let's see if we can save a little bit of money and do one of these deals where industry people look at it and say, damn, they got a pretty solid player here now locked up for the next six, seven years, and they didn't have to pay crazy open free agent market type value for the player. Like, would you consider doing something like that? And then conversely, you know, I think we have to see how this all plays out, but let's say Aaron Nola walks and we know what the starting pitching market looks like this winter. Like, is there some world where you say like, he's young, he's pretty damn good. He's getting better. Like, is there some team that comes in and says, okay, we'll do this deal with you. Like I always feel like I'm advocating for the trade of Alec Boehm and I'm not. In fact, I hope they don't do it. Like, I wouldn't, I'd be upset if they did it. But, like, I just think that you have a younger, valuable piece here uh, that is now under team control for three more years beyond this one. Like, he's such an interesting player in terms of what he can still be and what he's becoming. And then when you tie in the overall value of that, like, to me, it almost seems ridiculous to just kind of let him play out the arbitration years. Like, let's either lock this guy up and and make him a core piece, or let's find a way to, to bring back a, a hall that takes a team that's right on the verge of potentially being a champion and, and going all in like, it doesn't, it kind of feel like that he's the one. And that's the reason why I always bring up trades with him. Cause to me, he's like the one guy other than maybe like Bryson Stott who really represents like some unique value.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we get to that point eventually with him. I'm, I'm not sure it's this off season. And maybe I say like that two be- years
0: left. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I think and I say that because I think that the Phillies are going to have bigger fish to fry this offseason than mm-hmm. worrying about locking up Boehm long term. I think that's something we can talk about a year from now, right? I think that that's a that's a time when we can sit there and say, yeah, maybe this is the offseason to do it. Because you have to really see how they're going to how they're going to put together their their starting rotation mm-hmm. in the coming years, right? Let's let's be honest. With Harper mm-hmm. and Turner and Turner back being Turner now, you have two superstars in the in the sport. And when you have two superstars in the sport on your team plus a very good supporting cast around them, your window to win a championship is the next 3 to 5 years, right? So in the next 3 to 5 years, you have to really have something there that you think can can win, especially from the, on the on the pitching front. With Nola's, Nola being a free agent now and Wheeler's got 1 year left, right? And then yeah, yeah you got Taiwan Walker. Okay, whatever. But beyond that, Andrew Painter was supposed to be here pitching this year, and now he's not pitching until 2025. So I think that changes the calculus a little bit of what the Phillies' plans might be going forward. With that said, I think you're going to have to really consider your rotation this offseason. And when you do that, and you have to think about the money that you're going to have to spend and commit to that rotation. Signing Alec Bohm to an extension doesn't really make as much sense. Right. And that's the only reason I say that. Do you um, think that
0: you're also in a spot where you'd like to see one more year? Like, hey, we, we've, his progress has not exactly been linear. G- great stuff, super encouraging stuff so far here. But you almost kind of want to see a 24 season before you say, okay, well, now I truly believe it.
1: Yeah, well, of course. I mean, look, the, the reason the Phillies are where they are this year is because Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, and Brandon Marsh have all taken very big steps forward yeah, offensively. No doubt. All three, okay? Um, so that's good news. But we've also seen guys go out and have a good year and then revert back to what they were beforehand. So in that vein, I want to see all three of those guys come back next year and be at least this again. And you say, okay, because if they're at least this again, you say, all right, well, this might be just what they are, but that's good. It's a good player. It's a it's a nice piece on a good team. Um, But there's also still a possibility that they're even better than what they've been this year, that this is part of that progression. Right. So, yes, I'd like to see one more year from all three before I decide if any of them are going to get additional money in a contract. So I just think that the starting rotation, if we're look, looking beyond 23, the starting rotation is priority number one of the offseason. and and who's going to be part of it going forward? Do you do you dare resign Nola? Because there's no other. Look at the other free agents that are out there. There's nothing.
0: Uh, I mean, the free agency is terrible, but like you're, you're saying it, like 24 is an all-in year for the Phillies. Like when you look at yeah. Harper Prime, Turner Prime. Schwerber-Castiano Castianos coming towards the well is, what year 3 of a four year deal Castianos year 3 of a five year deal. like this is the sweet spot yeah. for me yeah. it was always about like 24 like when they get all this i was like 24 is probably like the like 23 24 are the years
1: yeah
0: um you got Wheeler coming up beyond that you don't know right Right? like and their rotation ex- now you extend him yeah i mean do you extend him Wheeler Walker Sanchez Suarez like those are the four guys right now that you know you have in 2024 and like does Mick Abel figure into that like a guy like McGarry to me has been so wildly inconsistent that like I'm not slotting him into this rotation I know Painter was supposed to be the centerpiece of the thing but now he's not so yeah. you've got to adjust like you can't just say oh tough luck for us we'll try to piece it together with four Taiwan walkers like you can't do you it. Can't, like, right. You need another horse at the top and, of this. Thing.
1: And, and the thing of it is, and this is the other thing about it, and I talked about this with Kevin Cooney on 97.5 yesterday. You may want to move on um, from Aaron Nola, and that's fine. But where do you go? Because the only other pitcher. So here's the other thing that, that where I say the calculus has changed Shohei Otani having to get Tommy John and now not being able to pitch for till 2025 changes the free agent market so even a bad even if you were thinking about bringing back nola it changes probably his value because of what's out there it's him and blake snell that's it i mean the rest of the the, i mean Sonny gray i think might be the other one that maybe comes into play a little bit because he's having a really good year for minnesota but that's that's it that's your that's your free agent pitching market next year so what's your what do you do? Do you replace Noah with Sonny Gray? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what—he's um, older. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's weird. It's like you don't know. It's it's so I think that the pitcher. Do you make a trade for a pitcher? Like, there's a lot that's going to come into this, and Dombrowski is going to have his hands full with with fixing this rotation uh, for for 24 and 25.
0: Yeah, I, I have to tell you, I mean, with Sonny Gray, he's he's going to be 34 next season. And That's I'm sorry, uh, yeah. fair or not, because every year is different and every situation is different. But like I watched what he was for a full season with the Yankees. Yeah. And I don't know if that was an East Coast thing or a big market thing or what it was, but it was horrible. So that alone for a team that is big market, everyone freaks out over every game. I'm good. I, I don't I don't think I want to <laughs> take that shot. Right, like Hell's interesting, but again, what's the years? What's the number? You know, um, he's not a guy that's going to give you the innings. I mean, he's he's a five, six inning and out guy. So,
1: and you know, he's another I, left, and he's another lefty, yeah. and you have two other lefties already kind of in the rotation, right?
0: Yeah. So. so, I mean, there's it's it's sort of like an imperfect fit, and there's not a, a clear solution available via free agency, which is why, to, to be honest with you, I kind of floated this idea with boom just because, or maybe you do it with prospects. It's not to say that you, you would have to use someone like Bone, but it, to me, if they're going to not do NOLA and they need a guy in that like number two type role, it might have to come via trade. So uh, that's why I sort of float the idea out there. It, it's it's going to be uh, really interesting to kind of see how it unfolds, but certainly there's there's more pressing things happening here in the immediate future. Um, before we get out of here, I want to talk a little bit about this Padres team because it's interesting. You know, they went three out of four against the Giants over the weekend, deal the Giants a pretty good blow to their own playoff uh, hopes. But in the process, San Diego over the last three days has moved from eight and a half games out of the final wild card spot to five and a half games out of the final wild card spot. And when you look at playoff probability, they went from 0.5% to 1.9%. So, uh still not really optimistic about their ability to leap the likes of of the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Reds, the Marlins. There's four teams that they'd have to go over to get that last wild card spot.
1: Aren't they all tied by the way right now?
0: Yeah, it's it's it really truly is chaos. And and I know that people don't <laughs> love necessarily that extra wild card spot, but man, like it's making the sport much more interesting down the stretch here. Point yeah. is, I don't think that San Diego's making the playoffs, but if they have any any hope they probably have to sweep the Phillies to like really kind of get themselves back into this. So here we are. The Phillies have an opportunity to basically kill the Padres season two straight years. I I look at tonight's pitching matchup. uh, I don't love what we've seen from Taiwan Walker here recently, especially in the first inning, as we've talked about uh, at great length, rich Hill though for the Padres who, like, come on, the, the, the Phillies to me have an opportunity to essentially just end the Padres tonight. Like that's the way I'm looking at the first game of this three game series. You can end the Padres tonight.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that you're right. I think that the Padres. This is the last stand for the Padres. They they look at this and say we have to at least win the series to still have a shot. I mean, they're what five? They're five back or five and a half?
0: Five and a half. They, back, uh, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, five and a half with, what, 26 games to go. That's not an easy thing to make up, especially when you have to jump four teams. But the, the thing is, is two of the teams that you have to jump, you're facing, like you're playing them. And the, you know, down the stretch, they play the Diamondbacks and the Giants. So it's really only, you know, you you control what you can control and then hope a couple of the other teams drop off a little bit. Um, but yes, they have to at least win this year. So the Padres are, are really up against it. And you're right. If there's a game that you want to just get out there and beat up on a bad pitcher, Rich Hill's a soft tossing lefty, probably at the end of his, this is probably the last month of his career. Um, and, you know, he, the Phillies faced him before uh, in when he was in Pittsburgh before he got traded to San Diego. The Phillies yeah. lost that game. Um, yes, they did. In extra innings, I believe it was six to four. Um, but they actually it weren't terrible against Hill. Um, I, I expect to see a very similar lineup uh, to what we saw yesterday. Yeah, it was actually a missed
0: opportunities game. They they walked uh, three times, had five hits against them in five innings. Yeah, and they just didn't. It was like kind of one of those annoying late July Phillies losses where you're like, dude, how many opportunities can you blow here?
1: Yeah. Um. So yeah, I like. I think this is a game that you just go out there and you you go get it and you you crush the Padres' soul in in the first game of the series because if they, I'll tell you what, if the Padres lose. Tonight, or t- yeah, and yeah, it's what's well, an afternoon game for them, but it's evening here. Um, they lose this game, and and any one of those other teams are victorious, and now all of a sudden they're six and a half out with twenty five. They're done. That's it. That's yeah. that. They're cooked. So, um, yeah, you, you 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 could crush their soul by winning this game. That's so it's kind of an important game in that regard, uh, more so than the entirety of the series. Um, I think Bryson Stott might get a seat tonight. The he last time,
0: probably needs one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I
1: mean, he's he's scuffling. He, I think I texted you yesterday, I think he's five for his last 37, one, mm. one for 17. Um, and last time they faced Rich Hill, he was out of the lineup. Um, so I have a feeling he won't be in the lineup tonight. The question is, who is in the lineup? Will they play Sosa at second base? Sosa's actually been a little bit better lately. Do they? Do they dare go another another shot with Rodolfo Castro at second base because he hits, supposedly hits lefties? Um, I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but I, I also think you're going to see uh, either Pache or Rojas in center field again uh, tonight. As um, a matter of fact, if Harper can play first base, you might see both of them uh, in the lineup, yeah. one in left and one in center um so that's that's a possibility too but think about that i mean you, you could be having a bottom third of your lineup tonight of castro Pache, rojas
0: yeah i mean listen it, it's so this time of year is awesome right like and you get the nfl coming back you get the college football coming back and like i'm all in on all of that i watch a ton of college football this weekend i i can't wait for the nfl this weekend but man like you get the phillies every night pushing towards a playoff spot and then you look around and because you have all these teams involved in the wild card race there's a number of games that you're like I'm going to be all over these games like Giants Cubs this week that's awesome you get uh yeah. the, the Dodgers and Marlins like that's going to be super revealing I think in a lot of ways like if Miami can survive that series maybe they get into the back end of September really pushing for a spot here like you look all around the league and like Seattle and Cincinnati like the Reds kind of got up off the mat here over the last 7 days like can they make one final push and kind of get back into this thing they're going to have to beat a really good Mariners team this week like it's really cool looking at the schedule and seeing four five six games every night that that really have a true impact on how this thing's going to shake out
1: yeah this is this is i think this is a week that for the diamondbacks i mean they got the they have the rockies while everybody else yeah. that they're battling with is playing a good team so like yep. this is their opportunity to try and maybe create a little bit of space go out and just beat up on a bad team and then see what the other teams do. And maybe you get a game or two games up on, on teams uh, and give yourself a little bit of breathing room. So for Arizona, I think it's kind of an important, uh, important three game series. So uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think that this is, this is going to be, it's a great time. You're right. I mean, there's so many games that matter. Um, and in, in especially in the national league at this time, and, and it's going to be fun to just watch that play out, watch the American League West race play out, see who gets that last wild card in the American League. That the Guardians are suddenly back in the AL Central race, they picked up all the leftovers from <laughs> picking the scraps
0: from the Angels, <laughs> they sold, and then a month later they're in. You know, what a weird, yeah, a, you know.
1: Yeah, it's Maybe great. Maybe they just though, needed
0: right? to change the chemistry. Maybe they just needed to, you know, yeah, they needed yeah, all that great. roster turnover to make it work.
1: It's so great that's stuff.
0: Certainly worth keeping an eye on as well. All right. Well, due to uh, some time con- uh, limitations yeah. that I have here, why don't we get to one last thing and wrap this thing up?
1: So one last thing was actually something we kind of touched on. I, I it was funny because you brought it up, and I was like, I was like, I should save this. But I want, I want to kind of, I want to, I want to kind of throw a few names at you. So we were, you know, I didn't think we were going to talk about twenty twenty four. In the process of this uh, of this, you of never this know episode. where I'm
0: going to go. You never know,
1: <laughs> but that's okay. So I wanted, to, so I was thinking about. It. I was saying, look, since the free agent market is not exciting, um, who could potentially be available via via a trade um, in the offseason? And so you think about starting pitchers that could be available, and you look at who are going to be the free agents in 2025. The starting pitching free agency list in 2025. Is unfreaking real in comparison to 2024? Um, Yeah, there's some big names that are old that you're probably not going to be interested in, like a Max Scherzer, for example, right? I mean, we're no one's going to be interested in that. Um, But there are some guys, and there's going to be other free agents are going to be, you know, Garrett Cole has an has an opt out in his in his deal, which is kind of an interesting one. Will somebody take a chance there? Uh, Obviously, Wheeler's on that list. But here I am going to throw some names from guys who are on teams that maybe would be willing to trade a starting pitcher um, that you could then you know, maybe put in and plug into a number two role. Um, okay. By the way, also also on that list of free agents next year, Cor- Corbin Burns is on that list next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Freddie Peralta is on that list next year, although he has an option. Um, and then you got Shane Bieber on that list, Max Freed on that list. I mean, there's some names – Next year, that are going to be out there. Walker Buehler, I mean, coming back off of his injury, uh, Brandon Woodruff—they're all free agents in 25, which is crazy. So that that year is going to be a lot different, right? Um, but let, this is what this is what you had, and this is why I think that this is such an important offseason for the Phillies. Here, here are here are the guys that you that you might have to consider, and you tell me if you're interested. You interested in Marcus Stroman? No. Okay.
0: Not like flatly no, for multiple reasons. I don't buy his resurgence there's injury concerns i i've hurt like i'm just out I'm just, i'll leave it at that
1: yep okay you interested in tyler glass now
0: i don't trust his ability to stay healthy
1: yeah okay uh i'm, I'm well, trying to go I'm with tampa guys Bay. Where... tampa Bay. Yeah. Like, i'm just out correct yeah exactly uh i'm and i'm trying to go with guys that are a little bit younger because there are older right. guys on here too that you can do like a one-year kind of thing sure. with I'm, I'm i'm avoiding those names um interested in uh german marquez colorado like as a top of the rotation type no we're, we're talking about a number two right you're, you're looking at a guy if you're if you're not going to re-sign nola and the free agent market kind of sucks and you uh-huh. need a number two pitcher you know because you have wheeler next year these are this is what's going to be available you know via trade possibly
0: yeah um sort of an unknown after this year hasn't really pitched but yeah, you know, yeah. He's, you know there's obviously some some upside there he wasn't great last year i mean he's okay he's a guy he's a guy and
1: also, He's this is this is what i'm trying to get to like it's it's like this is why i think that they're gonna resign him um well the guy that's interesting
0: to me is burns because you know he was well he's a free not agent with, yeah and he was not thrilled with with the brewers this off season yeah it creates i think an interesting dynamic here he's 28 years old he's awesome like that's a guy like
1: i find a way like find me a way well the question i have for you is this is do the brewers move on from any of these guys cuz all three, their top 3 starters are all free agents in 25 so are yeah. they trading one of them this off season? if so then i think that you have a then i think you have a legit well, I think you do,
0: because I don't think that the Brewers are going to pay for Corbin Burns. Like, I, I really don't. So it's almost like, let's go get – like, if you're Milwaukee, what you're constantly trying to do is remain competitive while you're losing some of these high-profile guys. Like, to me, this is, like, the perfect spot for Milwaukee to try to make a deal and get a, a massive haul. And if they don't think they're going to commit $30 million plus per year to a guy, then this is where you get off. Don't wait yeah. until August.
1: You know, do it Do it this off season. As a matter of fact, as I'm looking at it, like, they have five starters that are free agents in 25. <laughs> it's yeah, Burns, I would
0: definitely keep an eye on them this offseason because they know, Burns, like, they know they're not going to bring all these guys back.
1: Burns, Woodruff, um, uh, uh, Freddie Peralta, although he's the one that has an option, and then also, um, Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser are all yeah. free agents, unrestricted free agents going into 2025. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, anyway, it's, it's just another point, like like it, you know if you uh, them aside or if you go with an old pitcher somebody that's 37 and above if unless you're doing that you might re- be re-signing Aaron Nolan. just we'll i'm say. just saying i'm just saying that's just that's kind of where things have fallen I really don't. If, if we do another because, 6 weeks of
0: this and he continues to struggle and then he bombs oh yeah, in the pro season i just don't think that he's coming it's
1: back. it's a it's di- a the whole different animal right if he does But I think you're in a, yes, there's a
0: need, but we have to find a change of scenery type of situation there. All right. Well, uh, that will, that will do it for the latest episode of crossed up. You can follow Anthony on Twitter at uh, aunt San Philly. You can follow me. Uh, at bob underscore wankel you can uh, follow the show account uh at up phillies make sure that you're checking us out on oh, I put the wrong videos. one up
1: there look at that i put the wrong i put the wrong that's stuff okay. up there. Oh,
0: at least you got the newsletter up there boom look you
1: at that. that i got i wrote I got this, this one up that. for you all just right. so that you could put it up there so you could put it yeah, the so if you're
0: watching on youtube right now you're getting all the correct information i might just slow play it let it let it <laughs> the full scroll go here yeah there you go that's very nice all right well we will be back on friday uh phillies Uh, Out in San Diego this week trying to end the Padres season. We'll talk to you soon.